When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Legends Lounge. I'm True Withers, and with me today in the lounge, we have former member of the North Carolina State Wolfpack. She was an all-star as a member of the Cleveland Rockers, and she is a current assistant coach with the Phoenix Mercury. We have Chastity Melvin with us. Chastity, thank you so much for stopping by the lounge. Thanks for having me. Rocking out for the Legends. Of course, of course. Uh, first things first, I like to ask all the legends, what would you say? What was your welcome to the to the WNBA? What your welcome to the league moment? Wow, there were so many. I get my first welcome to the league moment is I wore I rock number forty four forever. And as you know, any legend will tell you we love our numbers. <laughs> we're of superstitious course. with our number. And I was drafted. I was like, yeah, I'm the star. I'm I'm this. And uh, Michelle Edwards had my numbers. They were looking like. Uh, you're going to have to figure out yes. another. <laughs> we don't know what to tell you. Right. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> that, was my, uh, <laughs> that was my welcome. And um, yeah, so I ended up rocking for 28 until Michelle retired. And that was terrible. But so okay. what's a Y44? Uh, George Gervin and my dad used that, wore that number when he played um, by Samson take a date when he was playing, you know, rake ball and stuff. Gotcha. Okay. So how'd you get to 28? It was just available. At the time, I think my cousin, if I remember correctly, he had got drafted with the Giants, and okay. he was rocking twenty eight. So I just okay because we had both had dreams of going pro and from small town. So I think that's why gotcha. I chose twenty eight. Okay, no, yeah, that's a twenty eight is a good number. You were saying it like, uh, but forty four that's, that's where your powers were. But I'm saying like twenty eight. 20 is a solid number. It's not 44. That's a football yeah. number. Yeah. A, is that, have you, how, what basketball player wears 44? That's all I'm saying. My, my, my guy, yeah, my, my cousin was playing with the Giants. He was breaking 28. Yeah. And, you know, I was just used to 44. You know, it's a, you know, it's at NC State. My jersey's right. up. David Thompson wore 44. His jersey's up. So a lot of great players rock 44. So, but it's all good. I got 44 back, and I was back to. I was say, did you try to uh, bribe? Michelle, like uh, nah, we won't make it no money like that. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Run some errands or something. Now, um, okay, so that was your welcome to the league. What would you say, or when would you say that you felt like you belong? I'll I'll say I felt like I belong. Actually, having a conversation with Cynthia Cooper mm-hmm. um, in the training room. So we don't, the, we used the trainer for the team. Like they didn't travel with a trainer right at the beginning. WNBA. Mm-hmm. We just come a long way. So she was in there with our trainer and um, I was just talking to her, asking for her advice. And she was telling me, like, you play hard, you know, you're respectful and everything and stuff like that. So um, when she just had that conversation with me, that was everything. So it's like, OK. And she gave me some advice about being a pro. And uh, after that, I just I just knew I belonged. Mm. Did you all like know or have any interaction before that or she just. No, I just, just wasn't put that nervous. Game I was. I was a student of the game. I've always been a student of the game. So I love Cynthia Cooper. Uh, right. She's my GOAT. And 
that was the reason why I wanted to join the WNBA and just the reason I believed I could play in the WNBA. And so getting a chance to talk to her and basically she was coming in. I was like, Chas, I need to get in front of you. And I was just like respectful, like, Hey, right. you know, right. Absolutely. In today's yeah. game, that probably wouldn't happen. But <laughs> back in the day it was like, Oh, okay. Right. Right. <laughs> you want uh, some one or two? So yeah, no, you got to, you got to defer to the OG. Yeah. I mean, she took time to talk to me, though. So at the end of the day, it all worked out. Right. And I got some great gems. Definitely. Uh, now, you mentioned you were uh, ra- born and raised in North Carolina. You know, place rich basketball tradition, a lot of in-state schools. Why NC State? I just jailed better with the coach. Uh, the coach understood my personality off the court. Uh, and I think I just, that was the place where I really wanted to be. It, it came down to North- UNC, Chapel Hill, and mm-hmm. NC State. Um, the two, the in-school rivalry, I mean, in-state rivalry. Mm-hmm. And um, I like Coach Hatcher a lot, too. They were the pioneers for North Carolina and girls basketball across the board, you know, going to their camps. Um, you know, that's all we talked about. Uh, but at the end of the day, I just felt like a personal bond with Coach Hatcher. And mm-hmm. we shared our same Christian faith. Um, not saying Coach Hatcher didn't, but we just right. had a lot of great conversation. But that kind of put it over the top. I was gonna ask yeah, what what attracted you to the the late great K. Yeah, but I feel like you ain't like that. What got you to the university, really? Yeah, and uh, she hadn't had she had had a level of success, and they were basically struggling at the time. And Chapel Hill had just won the championship before then. Mary Jones, Charlotte Smith, um, they had a squad. Nikki Teasley, and I just wanted to be a trendsetter. I was like, I'm gonna go somewhere and and try to help them get back on the map. So. Mm-hmm. I was like, y'all definitely did that, made a final four. So I had to make that that much more fulfilling, knowing that. Yeah. I I won't call it the easy road going to UNC, um, but definitely two programs at different uh, points. Oh, no, I definitely would have been a lot. I mean, if I would have paired up with Marion Jones and and, uh, Nikki Teasley, no doubt. And Coach Hatchell has reminded me every time I see (laughs) her. Many times. I made a terrible decision. I made the wrong decision. Um, Still to this day, she she has On your head about it. Um, But at the end of the day, it was gratifying to reach the Final Four and help Coach out um, get to her first ever Final Four. Um, And hopefully NC State will will make it back soon. So. Mm. So what, I get four years, the Final Four, Kodak All-American, what, what I mean, outside the Final Four, what sticks out the most? Like when you just think back about those years at that time, it could be on the court or off the court, like just what, what in general comes back to you? At NC State, it was just the camaraderie I had with my teammates, um, still very much, you know, keeping contact with all my Wolfpack teammates. But the seniors that I came in under my freshman year, I guess were most memorable because they just taught me how to, I was thrown into the fire kind of, and I was from a 1A high school and they embraced this naive country kid and taught me the ropes. Right. And so I'm forever grateful to everything I learned from them because, you know, the seniors don't really rock with freshmen like that. But I mean, they kind of had to because the starting center tore ACL, but at the end of the day, but they kind of needed you, but uh, they, they kind of needed me. But at the same time, it was that's not how Coach Al really, you know, the way she coached us, the way she helped us become women on and off the court. It just showed a lot of character about the team. But yeah, just my teammates. College was really fun for me, mm-hmm. and a lot of our team, a lot of my former teammates, we were talking about if we would have been able to get a fifth year with COVID and stuff. Like we would have never left. You know, <laughs> uh, super senior, yeah. whole team full of yeah, super seniors. Right. Uh, oh yeah, I'll stay one more year. <laughs> 
what's something when you think back of your time again with Coach Yao, what's what stands out there? Just working, playing under a legend. Um, just her consistency and who she was. I'll never forget that. That she had so many good traits, but she also reminded me of kind of like the old school wisdom I got from my grandmothers, who were kind of the matriarchs of our family. You know, Coach I didn't really talk too much and really scream at you and holler and you know curse a lot, but mm-hmm. she would give like these little quotes and you'd be like, right. You have this whole conversation and she give one quote, kind of like my grandmothers would just say little short, right? Something, but it stays phrase. with you. Yeah, that just stays with. That stays with you, you know, till this day, I can hear it in my head. And so I think just the consistency of her being the same person, you know, win, loss, players doing stupid stuff. Right. (laughs) I mean, she was consistently the same woman. And so for that, I value, I value that in a lot of people that I feel like are leaders and especially great coaches. If they can bring the same face every day and be consistent, I value that. Mm. Uh, we'll get to your coaching days, but I have to imagine that's something that you probably try to, you know, keep in mind, right? Just in terms of the consistency of being the same every day for them. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of like how I grew up, how I was kind of raised. And um, sometimes that's not really good in professional sports. I won't say good, but sometimes. Why you say that? I won't say good. I just think character traits, some people feel like all coaches should have. Um, and this basically probably isn't the right word, but sometimes people feel like head coaches have to have like an alpha mentality, like sort of mm-hmm. people were saying. Right. They felt like Coach Al sometimes had the stigma like she was a nice coach. Right. Um, but I really love what the um, the coach that he just named for Notre Dame, the new football coach. I loved his quote mm-hmm. uh, on... Coach Freeman. Yeah, Coach Freeman on player coaches. He They, they kind of get like a bad stigma, like, well, they're great player coaches and they're nice with the players and right. it's Okay, we we have calm demeanors and we're cool, but right. that we're not pushovers. Though. Yeah, our fierce competitiveness and our will to win, we just do it in a different way. So, yeah. Um, yeah so for me, that's that's what I took from Coach Al. Like, I felt like I could be myself as a coach, and I wasn't trying to be someone else. Um, and I didn't even really want to coach uh, once really? I retired. So now that I do coach, I do hear <laughs> Coach Al in my head, the back of my right. head. <laughs> right. So, that's it. Uh, before we get to the coach, you were 11th pick uh, in the 1999 draft. What do you remember about just the entire draft process? Then? Well, for me, I, I, a lot of people that interview me, they just bypass the ABL, but I actually got drafted by the ABL, which is the first league out of college. Oh, I, I stand corrected. And again, I was making the different decisions that people didn't like, but I chose ABL because they played year round and I didn't want to go overseas. I wanted to stay in the States. Um, but then the league folded. And so for me, when the draft came around, it was like, okay, people were mad. I didn't choose the WNBA. I wasn't sure if I was going to get drafted. Right. It was a kind of a whole bunch of talk with my agent and stuff. So I didn't even watch the draft or go to the draft. I actually went to go play basketball that day. And so my family. <laughs> so you there. found out later on. Yeah. My mom and them were like, they were waiting for my agent to call and they let me know. So. Okay. So how did you, uh, you go to Cleveland? You'd really spent, I mean, your entire life in North Carolina, right? Pretty and much, then, yeah. yeah. And then you were were well. Where did where did you play in the ABL? I should ask. Philly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So not not too, I there, too far. Well, I was only there for three months, but it was the best three months of my young post collegiate life. Why? <laughs> um, just uh, the city, the shopping, uh, the culture, yeah. um, 
being downtown, uh, Philly cheesesteaks, of course I was young, so I could eat those and play still. Um, but um, yeah, just the vibe. You know, I was a country girl, so for me, I was, I just moved into being a city girl, and it was just right. cool. So what was it? Okay, going from there, and then you dropped into Cleveland because I know that's a Carolina to Philly, then to Cleveland. Three completely different cultures. Yeah, it was crazy. So it was crazy. What, yeah, what, what was that like? Um, for me, I just I, I went wherever basketball took me. Um, that's how I kind of my mindset coming from a like I said a very small town. I, I've always been uncomfortable you know, out off the court, like leaving a small rural town to have to go to different cities and different places and, and be in different environments. So when I went to Cleveland, I was just thanking God for the opportunity. I got drafted and I had another chance at playing my dream. I mean, fulfilling my dream. So I saw like, I only looked at that's basketball. Right. Right. <laughs> now uh, you came off the bench some that first year. Was that your first time ever coming off the bench? I imagine. No, nah, in a while, I imagine. USA basketball, I was I came off the bench. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah. how how I know some people have said like it's just a it's a, more of a transition, like getting into like the flow of a game, like starting versus coming off a bench. Did you ever feel like you had any transition issues like that? As a as a rookie, you know, in the league for me, I didn't feel that way just because I had young legs. But later right. on, when there were times and <laughs> flows when I didn't start. That was a whole like a little, little harder to get like real back. different. Uh, yeah, <laughs> when you're used to consistently starting, I mean, because it's routine. It's you know when you're young and you come in, you just go. You just yeah, ready to play. You yeah. just you're ready to prove yourself. So all right, you coming off the bench? Okay, I'm gonna be starting soon. That's your mindset. Right. But then when you get accustomed to starting, and then you have to transition back to the bench, your whole pregame routine changes. So right, gotcha. Uh, now your rookie you started some came off the uh bench and started at the toward the end of the year, I guess I should say. Second year you started, then third year you're all-star. Correct. So what what do you remember just that what do you remember about making the all-star game? Like just that entire product? Like how did you find out? What what do you remember about all that? I was really excited. I was actually fighting with Taj McWilliams Franklin, who was playing for the Orlando Miracle at the time. Uh-huh. And um I beat her out for the center position. <laughs> so I was really excited, but um, I, unfortunately, I had a bad incident fighting with Tina for a rebound and had a fracture in my bone in my eye, so I didn't get to play in the game. But Cleveland was where I was transitioning into becoming a really, really great pro. And once the league folded, uh, I mean, once the, the team, team folded, mm-hmm. it's just my career took a whole different path. So right. it's crucial about, you know, if you're a great player, you know, what organization you play for, what team you're, you're with. Like it's pro sports is all is a lot about um, the top down from the top down. Right, like just that um, structure, the structure, um, ownership, the GM, how they put the team together, how invested they are, and everything. So, mm. um, I was really disappointed with um, Cleveland folded. Really disappointed. We yeah. lost the Detroit Shock in the Eastern Conference Finals. They went on to win, and that kind of started Detroit Shocks. They're and right. I yeah. With that, kept our team that's where we were going like all right, right. We, lost, but we were going to be fighting with them so but you know such is life yeah i was gonna say it's, it's got to feel like i guess kind of getting the rug pulled out because again like you like you were making playoff first the all-star like you said you were starting to feel like a pro and then i guess did you all have any kind of like heads up or any like this might happen just 
No, well, or... we were we had heard rumbles because obviously they were going to draft LeBron the following year, and um, so we were just like, okay, if we win the championship, well, we can prove right. to them that we're viable, that we, you know, we can bring in fans, and we have fans, but it was like, okay, if we win the championship, maybe they'll think, oh, okay. Right. Uh, so we really kind of as a team internally came together and really pushed, and like I said, we lost that third game to Detroit, and. Um, we didn't make it, and at the end of the season, they were like, it's over. Mm. So then you go into the dispersal draft. Uh, yeah. I guess just talk me through that because it's, it's a dispersal draft on one side, but it's also you having to uproot your entire life. And, yeah, it, it yeah. was it's crazy because, you know, I, I tell people all the time we make plans and God laughs at us, and I'm super spiritual, but it's like the ABL folded, then I got drafted, I wasn't sure, I went to Cleveland, I was having a great time, and like, I'm almost, I'm on my way, and then Cleveland folds. So then I'm like in the dispersal draft, like praying again, like, okay, all right, who's going to pick me up? <laughs> right. What now? Yeah. What now? Um, so fortunately, I was picked up by the uh, Mystics. Um, and, uh, it was just, it was just different. You know, I saw a different organization. I was part of a different organization. Um, you know, you go from being a starter on one team, that's kind of your team or you're kind of familiar with the coach and the system and right. the mystics. I, I just went through a lot of different transitions, played for a lot of different coaches, uh, different players in and out you know, GMs, ownership, that kind of stuff. So it was it was really tricky. So I learned a lot about I learned a lot about professional sports through the WNBA, uh, through going and playing in Cleveland and playing in DC and then Chicago. So So how Washington like off the court, how was Washington as a city? Because I'm if you love if you liked Philly, how did you like Washington as a city? I love Washington. I love Washington DC. Um, I loved our fans. Our the fans were really great in DC. Uh, even though we struggled and there was a lot of dysfunction, they still supported us for a very long time. Um, so shout out to the DC fans, um, but the Rockers fans always have my heart. But um, yeah, I love DC. I just wish we would have had Uber and Lyft back then. So I really <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> I say it was all just with taxi life, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, taxi life. And you just didn't want to drive anywhere because you're tired yeah. from working out, or practice, and then you know the team, the players going out. Like I, I'm really confused why um, as to why athletes are still getting DUIs and stuff with you know that that situation. But that's yeah. neither you know there. But yeah, we would have loved Uber and Lyft. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> would have loved to have Uber and Lyft. Yeah. I you mentioned a couple years there, but three. How long were you in watch the first? I was there years? for three years, going on my fourth year, and okay. uh, I think, and if I remember correctly, then I got traded to Chicago. And then, yeah, and then traded to Chicago. So how? It just feels like a like again, you couple years in a place, couple years in a place, couple years in a place, and then now Chicago. <laughs> so what, what? I mean, was it just like I'm used to this now, or like what? What, what was that like? No, actually. Um, Dang, you trying to make me write another book here. I wrote a short devotional about it, but like, it's I mean, crazy. yeah, give us, you don't have to give I, us that. Give us a little bit, about, just a little bit. Yeah, I hate to think about that situation because that'll trigger something, you know, a therapist nah, to trigger stuff, but I, got you. You know, I was really caught blindsided by that. But you've heard it. So many athletes have the trade story. Mm -hmm. um, my coach was really fighting for me. And actually, um, the GM came and told me, so the difference was that the GM and the coach were arguing back and forth about what they were going to do. Mm. And um, 
the day of the game, I remember we were in New York City and the GM came and told me I was going to get traded before the game started. Mm. And that they had a taxi for me to take me to the airport to fly me to Chicago. Wow. So I was telling the coach, like, I ain't trying to play. Right. And he was like, I don't want you to play, but I got to play you. Like, because I'm under contract. I'm an athlete. I got to play. Right. And so I played in the game with just like, it was crazy, mixed emotions. Like, yeah. I, I don't think the rest of the players knew. And then afterwards, I told everybody, and I was out the door. Like, I got my shower. I was out. They had a taxi for me. And then they wow. put me to Chicago. Wow. And then I met up with Chicago traveling to go to a game. So I meet everybody getting on the bus. Like, on the and wow. People that don't know, like, the bus is like, a, it's an intimate situation with a team. You know, everybody yeah. has their seat. It's just like our kind of space, kind of like the locker room. So I'm getting on the bus, just not familiar with any fresh, yeah, just, just fresh. And I'm like, Lord, give me a sign. Right, anything. Uh, <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. So yeah, I've had some very interesting, uh, you know, events, experiences throughout the league. But at the end of the day, basketball has given me so much. So I never complained. At the end of the day, I was living my dream that I told people years ago I was going to do. So right. I always kept that at the forefront of my mind. Definitely. Like amongst those cities, you played Spain, Russia, China, Poland. Where where, where am I? Am I forgetting anywhere? Well, Israel, that's my favorite country. Israel. Shabbat Shaman, all my people in Israel. Um yeah, Israel's my favorite place to play. It's my why, favorite. Why Israel? Israel kind of, it kind of reminded me of North Carolina, basically because it's small and the ACC when I played in it, not now, but um, <laughs> all the teams were like 15 to 20 minutes apart. It's a beautiful country. They have beaches in every city. The food is great. Um, there are black Israelis over there. It's a very diverse culture. So it's like a melting pot. So uh, gotcha. I, I really had a, a, I had a wonderful time there. So, what was the biggest struggle you found, like just adjusting to overseas? Like, it may have been on court, or was it like you know language? Like, what was just your biggest, like personally, your biggest struggle? Just the lon- just the loneliness, and being away from not only your family, but just being away from America. You know, it's just right. different culture overseas. Right, um, everything you've ever known. Yeah, I missed the college. I uh, kind of got away from college sports because they would play. I would say they would play the NBA over there, but you didn't get the college games. And right. I was a big fan of March Madness and just watching the ACC. So mm-hmm. I didn't get to watch it as much back in the day. Now it's, it's a lot easier for players yeah. to play overseas with the internet. Um, so I think just that was the big, the hardest thing, the loneliness. But then I became an avid reader, and so okay. started reading a lot of books, and so that was great. Gotcha. Now, uh- you mentioned earlier, you said you didn't even really, you, was it you didn't want to get into coaching or you didn't see yourself getting into coaching? Getting I just coaching. didn't even see myself getting into coaching. I, I yeah. majored in communication, so basically I wanted to be Robin Roberts. That was my idol. Mm, okay. I used to watch her on um, NBA Hardwood Classics when she mm. hosted that on uh, TNT. I was her that's number what one. You wanted to be. And that's what I wanted to do. And I loved Cheryl Miller with, as a sideline reporter. Um, you know, but then I played year round, so I didn't really get a lot of experience in it. Right. And so I did a couple of games for ESPN three, NC State, and um, I worked at a small local TV station in Wilmington. So I was out there grinding, and it was like mm-hmm. really no money. Yeah. And my mom kept telling me, "You gotta get a job." <laughs> <laughs> Listen, moms will say, "Yeah, man. yeah." You know, how, you know how mamas are. <laughs> 
<laughs> like you already reached your point goal. I'm like, I want to do that. Right. <laughs> they were all looking at me like, we can't take care of you and your assets. Right. <laughs> so um, at the end of the day, um, I just kept getting a lot of no's because I didn't have the experience. Right. And um, you really got to get a lot of TV experience if you're not like the quote unquote superstar athlete, you know. Right. Um, and so for me, it wasn't that I, you know, didn't want to do all the work. It was just very challenging managing For sure. um, things I had accumulated, accumulated, you know, like I retired from basketball, but life didn't stop. My bills Absolutely. didn't stop. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a transition. All athletes go through it, no matter how much money you have or don't have or what you, how, how well you plan, it is a different grind to start another career, especially right. with everything that comes with your name and who people think you are or aren't. So um, I ended up working for my uh, college coach nonprofit, uh, the KR Cancer Fund. Okay. They gave me a job. It's so okay. <laughs> hey, that's love, though. You know, that was love. That was love. Um, and for me, it was a good experience because to work a nine to five, all the, you know, and learn um, how the business works, how the, a nonprofit actually works, mm-hmm. I was. You know, I learned that I'm glad I didn't actually start one because there's a lot of intricacies (laughs) and, you know, things that can get you in trouble if you don't really know what you're doing. And um, my ignorance of what it was while I was playing was like, okay, everybody's going to donate money to sit. You know, we're going to go easy. (laughs) Yeah, easy. Um, That's not the way it goes. No. (laughs) But at the end of the day, it was it was a great learning experience. And then um, I applied for the NBA assistant coaches program because somebody was saying, this is really great. Mm-hmm. Just check it out and you might start get interested in co- um, get more interested in coaching. And so I, I got accepted and I got that program and it just coaching took off from there. Yeah. As I said, what the, I guess just tell me about that because that's 2018, 19, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. T- I guess just tell me about that program. It's basically a boot camp. Uh, like mm-hmm. we took coach, a coaching class in college, but basically I'm with other former pros and we're learning from coaches. We're learning about how to use uh, the fast scout, skin synergy, um, all right. the um, platforms where you can scout and um, edit games and and, mm-hmm. and perform your scout. Because that was a lot of things I was getting from college co- college coaches. Like, well, you don't have experience with the um, equipment, and you don't have experience to know how to do this, right. and right. you don't have a recruiting experience. It's all so many things, you know, because I played year round. And I get it, you know, it's no knock, but at the end of the day, like, I was just trying to be. It's like, yeah, how am I supposed to get the experience? Right. Like, I was like, yeah, I'm I'm just trying to be an assistant. I ain't say make me a head coach. Right. (laughs) I mean, I'll take it if you give it to me. Yeah, I mean, I ain't going to turn it down. But, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to be an assistant here. That's all. Like, whatever. (laughs) Um, But it was all good. So that gave me the confidence level. You know, it was very hard. It was, you know, because it was fast paced. And um, you had a lot of homework and a lot of things to do in a short amount of time. And then you were meeting different coaches from the NBA and, and learning so much knowledge and, and the language of the game. Mm-hmm. So it was very, um, it was very um, just instrumental in, in, in my life and, and helping me where I was at that point. Right. Because I had coached high school. I, didn't, I mean, I didn't put, I coached high school basketball while I was working. Um, I consulted with uh, AAU teams and, mm-hmm. and coached, helped coach AAU teams. So I was coaching, right? You know, was just not on the the highest level. So right. that it it just fueled my competitive drive in a different way, in a way that I hadn't expected. What, what was one of the tougher challenges you had? I guess 
during that program? Uh, just, you know, the NBA guys, like being right there with them and, and um, the different terminology, because WNBA uses different terminology. NBA yeah, sometimes it's like, night and day. I'm yeah. just like, oh, horns. Okay. Yeah, like, I know what that is. We just call it something completely different. Yeah, you're yeah. just calling it something different. Right. Um, but other than that, I wasn't, I mean, I was a pro, you know, I tell people right. I was like, I, I was a really good basketball player. And so right. once it also gave me another type of confidence because I was expecting men's basketball to be just so much higher than women's basketball as far as it had to be something different because most women don't coach men's basketball. I mean, men yeah. can coach us, you know, on any level. You don't but see it a lot the other way around. You don't see it with women. So for me, I was thinking, okay, it's got to be something strategically different and harder. Um, so it gave me a lot of confidence. Like, nah, basketball is basketball. Right. <laughs> Yep, now, so their le- now, I will say the men's level play, you know, I used to think I could play in the NBA, but I, I know now that, I mean, coaching the guys and being right there. Right. side. But I mean, I grew up playing with guys and they used to kick my butt, even guys that didn't make it pro. So I understand. I feel like a lot of the W players, it's like, listen, like people say that and they think it's like the first time we've ever played with guys. And it's like a lot of them. All yeah. their life, all your life, you did it. So that's why I say that. I mean, basketball play, guy, me and basketball players have already had a, a certain respect for women's basketball players mm-hmm. because they allowed us on the court, and we had to be able to play to get on the court. Definitely. Um. So for me, I always knew guys had a different type of athleticism and quickness. Um. Obviously, that's what helped me become a pro because I right. played with them so much, so it elevated my game. Um. So at the end of the day, just being on the sideline and coaching the best of the best in the men right. was just like. Yeah, so competitive, but like they're just so much quicker, so much more athletic, <laughs> right? And it's a different game, but at the end of the day, the X's and O's, the plays, the defense yeah, is still the same, right? Uh, now you coach, you coach some the Greensboro Swarm, the uh, G League. You coach some in college. You've coached, or I guess now with the Phoenix Mercury, I should say. What's been the most, I guess, challenging? Maybe you did answer it. Like, it's just all kind of, it's all the same at the core. Like, whether you're coaching, you know, men or women, college athletes or professionals. Well, I won't say it's all the same for everyone. Mm. I think there's just a lot of stereotypes on there, whether it's women, men, young. If you're young, too young to coach, if you're, you know, too old. Too old to coach, yeah. I think there's just a lot of stereotypes. There are differences from coaching in college, coaching men, coaching in the WNBA, coaching overseas, coaching AAU, coaching high school. There are a lot. There are a lot of coaches that are great with high school. Right. I felt like I was great with high school. High school was just, it was just super, super slow for me because I had played on the highest level. Right. So sometimes I felt like I was bored with it. It was rewarding, you know, mm-hmm. seeing the young ladies get it. But that's stuff I can do with a camp, you know, right. like seeing them their skill sets improve. Um, But some people, you know, they love that. They love the camaraderie with high school. And I I appreciate all all the high school coaches. So for me, if I could get paid a little bit more, I would coach high school. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if there's any high school great program out there and you want to coach this, we go on any level. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to change who I am. Like I learned that from, the pioneers of, of women's coaching, like Coach Hatchell, Coach Yao, like they were pioneers. They started high school coaching all types of sports to college and developing the women's college game. So for me, 
basketball has given me so much. I don't downplay anywhere, any opportunity where I coach. But yes, my favorite is the pros. I mean, that's I would love to be a head coach uh, in the WNBA one day. And I'm still getting experience. And um, when my opportunity comes, I'll be ready. I love the NBA. I like being an assistant in the NBA. Um, so for me, it's just the opportunity. And I'm still trying to figure out what's the best place for chastity to be. Right. And obviously making connections and networking with people. And at the end of the day, to be where you need to be, someone has to put, kind of place you there. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. Hey, listen, the game's so, the game. Yeah. <laughs> in the meantime, I'm learning all I can, uh, coming up with my philosophy, building my philosophy, and, and um, nurturing it, um, and trying to, you know, you know, know exactly who I want to be when the opportunity comes, which I, I, I'm pretty sure I already have that. But, mm. you know, you always tinker it and. Right. Okay, okay, I worked under this coach, I learned this. But like right, that's, new information. that's the thing with basketball. That's why like some people aren't too young, some people aren't too old. It's like you learn so many different things from different people, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna add that. But that never stops. Like right. even when I become a head coach, I'm gonna be learning from someone right. else. I feel like I feel like if you would ask any of the best, they'd be like, Yeah, there's willing to adapt, willing to learn. It's not a yeah, I have all the like I don't need to learn anything else. I'm good. Yeah. So yeah. It's, that never stops. Basketball, you know, in Denver. That's why they say basketball never stops. <laughs> right. right. Now, have you coached overseas? Uh, I have. I, well, I mean, I felt like I was a player coach when I coached overseas. My right. last year before I retired, I played in Turkey, and I was like a player coach. Um, okay. But, yeah, overseas would probably be the very best. It's like one game a week, sometimes two games a week. <laughs> I mean, it just like it depends. It depends on the person, you know. Right. That's yeah. What you're I never tell people like, but some some women, I don't feel like they would be great coaching men. Hmm. It would take a very strong woman, and not strong as in like um, just overpowering or have to have an alpha attitude. Right. Yell, yell, right. So if you don't want like certain things to come with being around men all day, it's probably not the you know atmosphere and culture for you. And then right. some women will do fine. But just like some men won't be good. Do, yeah. Coaching women. So it's just, it really t- depends on the person, their personality, what they're comfortable with, what they really like, what they enjoy. And for me, I have not had a bad experience on any level. I just do, I'm just more familiar and I really love uh, professional sports. Gotcha. gotcha. Uh, I guess well, you're currently overseas. If I'm not, you're abroad, I should say. Yeah. yeah can, you, can you tell us about that? Well, basketball's opened a lot of doors for me, and I have friends all over the world. So um, I have some downtime from the WNBA season, and uh, uh, one of my good friends invited me over to support their businesses. So I'm over here supporting black businesses in, all okay. the way in Antigua. Uh, okay, black- we'd love to see it. Uh, so I'm getting a little entrepreneurship in, but I got today off because uh, I had this to do, so it's exciting. But um, also I'm going to – Hopefully I can bring, you know, basketball over here. So trying to make some connections and connect with people. Because I love doing camps. Like I said, I, I love basketball, teaching basketball. I'm more about the fundamentals. So I'm, um, that's how Coach Al taught me. So at the end of the day, I would love to bring some camps over here and make sure girls are getting the opportunity to play basketball here. Definitely. Uh, well, we, we appreciate you taking some uh, time on your off day. We won't hold you uh too much longer. Oh yes, the legends. You know, I gotta do it. <laughs> support me, so I'm excited about All Star seeing everyone. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, want to get your thoughts on on the the most recent NBA fi- or excuse me WNBA finals? Um, 
I know. I I know it was a tough one. Uh, <laughs> but how, how did, going from that, how do you bounce back? Uh, for me, I just, uh, you know, we had an unbelievable season. So at the end of the day, um, the staff, the players, how we all came together after losing it was this inconsistent year and then making it, beating Vegas and making it to the finals was, I mean, you can't take anything away from that. Um, mm-hmm. But it was disappointing. Um, yeah. For me, that was my first time in the finals, you know, as a coach, as a um, – you know, I never got to go to the finals as a player. So I was hoping to add some hard words, hardware to my <laughs> – Yeah. <laughs> you know, I look at all my trophies and stuff, and other than the Final Four stuff and overseas championships, but I don't – I mean, overseas is – But, I mean, not yet. You, uh, you're, you're not yeah. ready to add to the re- – yet. Yeah, so it's like – yeah, so I was disappointed. Yeah. I was disappointed. Um, how do you bounce back? You know, it's just like everything. That's what sports teaches you in life. Um, you go back, look at the drawing board, look how you could have done things better. Um, um, as a coach, for me, it was a great experience as an assistant coach um, because I learned the playoffs were uh, the playoffs on up into playing in the finals is a di- different experience, um, yeah. and it's more fast paced than the regular season as far as scouting and. And having your players prepared is so back to back, and like you want to win, and mentally, and just the ups and downs are really, really quick. So for me, it was a great experience as an assistant coach to experience that. Um, I'll say, especially with the, also the uh, one game was it first two rounds? Yeah, uh, yeah, the, the first two games were like yeah. yeah. So it was it was so it was a good experience for me is managing my emotions, managing my desires, managing how much I wanted it for the players and seeing how hard they work, but also, you know, being mentally focused to have the scouts prepared to the best of my knowledge, you know, to help um, the head coach, Sandy Brondello at the time, which I learned a lot from, you know, she's great to work with. So for me, it was a good experience to be in those types of pressure, pressure situations because it was just totally different from the regular season. Right. What the, I mean, I I guess coming back from a tough loss like that, it probably helps to have, like you got some, some veterans in that locker room. Like, what's it, what's it like, like a, a Tarasi or a Skylar Diggins Smith? What's it like coaching some, some veterans? Uh, it was great coaching them. And I, for me, it was just, you know, it was like, what do you guys see out there? And you understand with Skylar and um, Diana and even BG, their IQ, they're, they mm-hmm. play in so many big games, whether it was college, pros, overseas, right. you know, they're winning championships overseas. So for them, having that camaraderie, camaraderie and being able to trust that they have a high enough IQ that they can help you too. It's not like just okay, we're gonna do it this way. Like what you right, got? Like it has to be this right. And that's how Sandy, you know, was with them. That's what makes her a great coach. So, but obviously, you know, you you have to have a certain level of IQ and experience as a veteran and as a player. For sure, for sure. Um, again, won't hold you too much longer. We're, we're appreciative of you. I'd like to ask, when did you know it was time to hang them up? I didn't know. I still really? feel like I play now. I shout really? out Tom Mello, shout out Tom Brady, LeBron. Play as long as play to the wheels fall off. That's what I tell people. Um, I just kind of got pushed out of the league because uh, the collective bargaining agreement you had to pay veterans a certain amount, uh, yeah. and um, you know they rather Compared take a to like the younger players. Yeah, yeah. So people didn't want that contract, and um, so I got pushed out. And so I played one more year overseas. Maybe two more years. My last year was in Turkey in 2014. And then that's when um, 
I was I had started working and trying to get into TV stuff, and I'm like, oh, I need to get experience. And I was yeah. 39 at the time, so I was like, I better start because I ain't trying to, you know, become yeah. an analyst at 60. Because they were like, you need six or seven years of experience. I'm like, right. it's like, well, I got to start now, then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of was like, all right, let me put that. Let me stop. But I could have yeah. played overseas well until I was 44 at least. Like Taj yeah. played as long as she could. Like I didn't have serious injuries. I wasn't unhealthy, mm. and so I just stopped. You know, went to LA Fitness and ATL, kicked the boys, the guys. I just they just <laughs> get some good run in there. Yeah, then I had to stop that because you know I wasn't the. They were like, "Oh, she can really play," and then guys got physical, and then I was like, "I'm like, now nah, I'm just trying to be like every other person that comes." Right? Yeah, I'm, we all <laughs> just trying to take it easy. Uh, <laughs> And uh, last question I will ask you, what is something that Chastity now would tell Chastity at 18 years old? Wow. With all you've learned, all the, the accolades, the experiences, the, the everything, what's something that Chastity now would tell 18-year-old Chastity? I would tell my I would tell my eighteen year old self to enjoy the moment more. Mm. Enjoy every moment I had. You know, um, I was so focused on trying to be the best and and trying to win a championship, whatever team I was going to. And, and sometimes I miss the moments. Sometimes um, mid career or, or even overseas, little things that I really could enjoy those moments. I was thinking like. I had a bad game or stuck on a bad game or right. bad. Like you're looking forward, looking past it. Yeah, yeah. Instead of looking past it and enjoying the wine and the steak and the pasta with my Italian teammates, you know, <laughs> like, it's right. like, I can't go back and change it, you know? Right. Um, right. I won't say I didn't enjoy the moments, but I would have enjoyed a lot more. Like, I would have just taken things with a grain of salt. Like, I know I was giving my best, and at the end of the day, that's life, that's basketball. It doesn't always go the way you want it. So I would have told my 18-year-old self, just enjoy the moments that I Mm. was granted more. Definitely. I think that's uh, good words for us all, really. Um, Chastity Melvin, thank you so much for stopping by the lounge. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Of course, of course. You come back anytime. You got to see here whenever you'd like. All right, see you in Cleveland. (laughs) Maybe. It's going to be a little cold up there. I know, right? The fans are like, have a meet and greet. I'm like, where? But right. I can't fire. Right. Nah, I uh, love my Rockets fans. You never know. But if I see yeah. any of you guys, please come up to me and speak. But yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Cleveland, that's where I first started my pro career. So I have to go back for NBA All-Star. Nah, it's it'll be good. We'll see. Thank you, though, Tyler. Of course. Thank you. Be safe. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. And thank you so much for stopping by the Legends Lounge. It's brought to you by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. Give us a follow on Twitter at NBA Legends Lounge. Be sure to subscribe and rate the Legends Lounge on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll catch you next time.